we have our family with us. Our homes are together. And, uh, and the Lord's just blessed us beyond measure. Yes, sir. And we should not, as the people of God, ever take that for granted. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. And uh, you ought, you, if you're a husband here tonight, you ought to hold your wife uh, as tight as you can hold her. Amen. And tell Amen. you love her. You ought to tell your husband, if your wife here tonight and you got your husband with you, you ought to tell your husband how much you love him. And thank God. You ought to hug mom and daddy's neck and you ought to hug your kid's neck tonight at some point through the night and just tell them how much you thank God that they hadn't kicked out and, and went crazy and uh, lost their mind. Amen. Amen. And so I'm thankful uh, to be in the house of God tonight. I thank God for the church and I thank God for all that the Lord has done for me and with me and he's done that through the church. And of course, that's what we've been preaching on this week. And we're going to continue that thought uh, tonight. And just by way of review, ju- I'm not going to review, amen. People preachers say, I'm not going to review, and then they review. And so uh, I'm not going to review, I'm just going to give you the outline, amen, so that uh, just kind of catch you up uh, as to where we're at. And uh, as I've said, this is more material than what I can deal with uh, in a week's worth of meeting, preaching twice a day. And uh, what I'm giving you, the Lord gave me through a year of Bible study in my Bible class. And so uh, I feel like I've tried to condense it down as much as I can to these this series of meetings to bring you this series of messages so that I can be a help to you as a people. And I want to tell you something that uh, a lot of people have uh, maligned the church. A lot of people have uh, gone away from the local assembly and they have gone in their own way. But God uh, sent His Son to die for our sins that He might purchase a church. And uh, we are the bride of Christ. We talked about that. We talked to you uh, Sunday, the three uh, messages, or the three times that we preached, two times we preached on Sunday morning, we talked about the foundation of the church. We talked about the position that we have on this rock. Jesus said, I will build my church the promise that He gave the church, and that is, I will do it, the place that He has placed us right in the path of hell, and then the protection that He has given us. He told us that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Then we talked to you, secondly, about the purpose of the church. We talked about how that is an eternal purpose, how it's an everlasting purpose, and how there is an earthly purpose that God has given the church to fulfill while it's here. We talked to you about the eternal purpose of God, that nothing's going to thwart that. The everlasting purpose of God, nothing is going to thwart that. It's going to take place. What God has determined to happen will happen. And But the earthly purpose of God for you while you're here can be thwarted. It can be uh, done away with because you will not be obedient to what the Scripture tells you or what God tells you to do. The Bible said, as we mentioned, that David served his generation and the only one that could serve his generation was David. You're the only one that can serve this generation. If this generation, if you don't serve this generation, it will go unserved in your aspect and in your respect. And then on Sunday night, we were going to preach to you about the people of the church, uh, but God moved in and gave us an illustration, a first-hand illustration of what the people of the church are like and why that we are here. As we gather together and worship God and encourage one another in the Lord, that's what the people of the church are here to do. 
We're here to encourage one another, exalt the name of Jesus. We're here to glorify Him. That's our main goal. And He is glorified through our witnessing. He's glorified through our testifying. And He's glorified through us encouraging one another, of course, in the Lord. And so tonight, and Lord willing, tomorrow night, I'm going to try to bring all this together, amen, and wrap it up and try to make sense out of it, sort of make sense if I can do that in two more nights of preaching. But I want to preach tonight and tomorrow night, if God will help me and doesn't change my mind, on the power of the church. The power of the church. Matthew chapter number 16 has been our text for all of this week and we'll continue in that text tonight. Matthew chapter number 16 and verse number 18, we'll just read one verse. The Bible said, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Of course, we said on Sunday that Jesus was not saying he was going to build his church on Peter. The Roman Catholics have that all mixed up. But he's saying, I'm going to build it on the statement that you made, Peter. And he's not building on his statement. He's just building on the truth of that statement. And that is that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, I know that that's who you are. And Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on that rock. That bedrock foundation that I... Praise God, am the Son of God. If Jesus is not the Son of God, then the church has no foundation and it has no power and it has no purpose and it has no people. Because of Jesus Christ and Him alone, do we have the church of the living God? Praise God. I'm glad that I'm glad, amen, that my foundation, the foundation to my church is more than just a religion. I'm glad that the foundation that we have is more than just a political stance. Amen. It is on the very Son of the living God and He has purchased this church with His own blood. Amen. And He has made us to be one people who were not a people but He's brought us together and made us one in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. One fellow said, Dr. B.R. Lakin, one fellow said, Pete, Peter, they said Pete's got the keys to the kingdom. Peter's got the keys of the kingdom. Dr. B.R. Lakin said, let Pete keep them. I've got the door, amen. And I'm glad I've got the door, amen. I ain't looking for the key. I know where the door is and the door is open, amen, for the child of God. Well, I want to say to you that Jesus has given the church many things, but the thing that I want to deal with tonight and tomorrow night is the power that he has given to the church. And I've got nine, ten points amen, on this one thought. And so I'm not going to give you all of them tonight. I'm going to try to split them up between tonight and tomorrow night. And I don't know how many I'll get tonight. I don't care how many I'll get. I'll get what God wants me to and then I'll leave off and get what I can tomorrow night. And if I don't finish tomorrow night, amen, uh, we'll just, I'll write it down and you can read it, amen. Or you can send and get a CD, a copy of the CD or something maybe where I preached it somewhere else. Uh, but I want to preach to you tonight on the power of, of the church. Now we look 
We talked about in the beginning how that God has given us power in that we have been filled with the Holy Ghost. Now we are talking about the individual's power that is in the church. And individually as we have power, then collectively as a body, we have power because we have been endued with power from on high. Don't let that term being filled with the Holy Ghost scare you. There's nothing to be scared of. As a matter of fact, it's something you ought to rejoice in. And so I'm thankful uh, that we can be filled with the Spirit of God. And as we said in uh, on Sunday, being filled with the Spirit of God is not you getting more of the Spirit, but it's the Spirit getting more of you. It's God getting all the junk out so that He can fill you up with Him. Amen. And so that you'll be filled, praise God, to overflowing. Amen. And so I want to say tonight that we know that individual power and collective power is given by the Holy Spirit of God. But that is not the power that I'm talking about tonight. What I'm talking about is the power of the church in your life. The power that the church has in your life. And so we're going to look at scripture tonight, Brother Jason, and we're going to find out what kind of power God gave to the church as a body. What kind of power that it has in your life individually and collectively as a body. Matthew chapter number 16 and verse number 18, the Bible said in verse number 19, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now we read through that and we the, the Pentecostals read that, amen, and they think that they're binding devils and binding sickness and binding and binding and binding. And I'm not saying that that stuff cannot be done, but they ain't doing it, amen. They're mixed up, so mixed up in their doctrine, they don't know what they're binding. They're bound up in their mind, if you ask me, amen. Uh, but I want to say this to you tonight, that, the, that God has given the church the power to bind things on earth and He is going to allow that to be bound in heaven. Now I want us to notice, if we will, turn to the book of Acts chapter number 6. Acts chapter number 6, and I'll be turning to these uh, texts of Scripture with you as well. Acts chapter uh, number 6. And, and well, let me say first of all in Matthew chapter number 16, we see the power, the principle of the power that God is going to give the church. We see the principle of that power given. He said, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And then in Acts chapter number 6 verses uh, 1 through 8, we see the principle of that power displayed in the church. So Acts chapter number 6, and in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians, uh, a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve, that's the twelve apostles, called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you. Look what he said now. Wherefore, ye brethren, look ye out among you. He said, I want you to find people among you and I want you to do it. All right, he didn't, God didn't say to do it. God ain't talking here. The, the leadership in the church is talking. All right? What are you talking about, Brother David? I'm talking about the principle of the power of God on display that God has given the church. 
He said, you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And of course, in verses five and through eight, it tells us uh, that the saying pleased the whole multitude. They chose Stephen. They chose all these men who were full of the Holy Ghost and full of faith. And the word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Now, in Matthew chapter number 16, God gives a promise. The principle of the promise is given to the church of the living God. This is the principle. Whatever you bind on earth, I will bind in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, I will loose in heaven. That is a power that is given to the body of believers that is here today or tonight in Buffalo Gap, Kentucky. But then we see the principle of that power on display in Acts chapter number 6, verses 1 through 8. Now, there are some things in your Bible, and I'm going I'm to have to kind of lay a little bit of foundation tonight, uh, but there are some things in your Bible that God uh, does not leave any wiggle room on. Right. That's right. Amen. Yes, sir. There's some things, Brother Jason, that you can't argue about because the Bible's very clear on it. And I'm going to use an example that is very controversial in our day, but is very clear in Scripture, and that is double married preachers. This is what the Bible said. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Let him therefore be blameless, number one, the husband of one wife. Right. Now, do you know what that does? If you've got more than one wife, living wife, that disqualifies you from the ministry. That's right. God don't allow no wiggle room in that. I know Peter Ruckman said that you can have one at a time and he ended up having four, amen, before he died. But God didn't mean one at a time. He meant what he said. You're to be the husband of one wife. Amen. Amen. There's no wiggle room in that. If a man, if a man, listen, if a man puts away his wife, he causes her to commit adultery. That's what the Bible, he didn't say divorced her. He said if he put her away. Then he said if anybody marries her, they commit adultery. And God, this is what God said. He said in uh, He said to Timothy. He said the Apostle Paul said to Timothy. He said he's the husband. He's to be the husband of one wife. Amen. There ain't no wiggle room in that. That's right. Yes, sir, brother. But here in Acts chapter number six, we're not talking about preachers, and we're talk, not talking about pastors. We're talking about deacons. Right. See the position of a pastor or the position of a preacher is a God called position. So God sets the standard for it. Do you know in the Old Testament God set the standard for the priest? You know what the standard was? It was very strict. Do you know that, 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 that they had to be of the, if they were going to be in the high priestly line they had to be of the tribe of Levi but they also had to be of the house of Aaron. But do you know they could be of the tribe of Levi, Levi and of the house of Aaron and still be disqualified from being in the priestly ministry in that Old Testament? Do you know, Brother Jason, that they could not have had a broken bone? Could never have had a broken bone. Do you know they couldn't have a crooked nose? They couldn't be blind in one eye or blind in both eyes. They couldn't have a deformed ear. 
There's a whole list of qualifications that God lays on that priestly order. And I understand it was a representation of Christ. I understand all of that. But all of those disqualifications would not have kept them from doing the priestly work. A man that's got a crooked nose, how in the world would that keep him from offering a sacrifice? If he couldn't see out of one eye, but he had one good eye, Brother John, why couldn't he, why couldn't he go in and offer a sacrifice? Why couldn't he take clear the table of showbread? He couldn't do it though. Brother John could have been of the house of Aaron. He could have been of the tribe of Levi. But because he's got a broke leg, he's disqualified from ever being a priest again, even if he was a priest to begin with. Why did God make that qualification? I don't have any idea. I know that it represented Christ. I understand all that. But I, I don't have any idea. But it's just a qualification. God set the qualification for the bishop. He's to be the husband of one wife. You say, that's not the only qualification. You're exactly right, but that's the only one you can't fix. If a man don't have a good report of those that are without, that's a qualification. Then he can live long enough. It'll take a while, but he can live long enough to get a good report. If a man don't have his house in order, he can set it in order. And keep it in order. But if a man's got more than one wife, he can't fix that. Brother Stent Blue said years ago, divorce may get the spouse out of your house, but it don't get the wife out of your life. Amen. And so there's a qualification that is laid down. So the church don't have any wiggle room in that. We can't say, well, you know, I think it'd be all right. No matter what you think God's done said, what we got to do. We can't change it. All right, but brother, why are you saying that, Brother David? Because I want you to see the power that God has given the church. Now, the bishop or the pastor or preaching, and I believe that goes to every aspect of the ministry. I don't believe it's just pastors that are like that. And there are men, there are good men that would disagree with me on that, but that's all right, amen. But Brother Jason, but the ministry, the qualification is the husband of one wife. We have no wiggle room on that. But look what God said about the deacon. What's his qualification? Be the husband of one wife. But deacon's not a God-called position. It's a church-called position. God didn't institute the office. I'm not saying God's hand wasn't in it. I'm saying that God did not institute the office of the deacon. The church did. And you know what the church said the qualification of the deacon was? The husband of one wife. And you know what God said? What you bound on earth, I'll bind it in heaven. That's good, brother. That's good. That's good, brother Wells. Do you see the power that the church has, brother John? It can it established an office that would be used throughout the ages for the benefit of the body of Christ. And even it has the same qualifications as the qualifications that are given to the bishop. That deacon is to have that same qualification. And that is a church called and appointed position. It's good, brother. It's good, brother. That's the power brother Ben that God left the church and what we what we have in our day is we have we have a group of people that think the church is powerless and they act like the church is powerless but by the time we get through here tonight 
This is what you're going to understand. The church has power and it has power in your life. And you'll submit to that power or you'll go through life miserable. Now, 1 Timothy chapter number 3 verse number 8 gives the qualifications of a, of a, of a bishop and of a deacon. Ephesians 4.11 tells us the offices that God gave to the church. And you'll not find the deacon listed there. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some teachers, some pastors for the perfecting of the saints. But there's no mention of the word deacon there. The word, the word or the office of the deacon is first mentioned in the book of Acts chapter number 6. And it follows through in scripture. But that is a church appointed position. Now... Let me show you the power that the church has. Uh, Brother John, who's your Sunday school teachers in here? Adult. Uh, and do you have a little kids class? We do. Who teaches that? Okay. Brother Jason and Brother John. Now, I, I, I know Brother Jason. I know Brother John uh, a little bit. Uh, and so, I, I, but I don't know them that way. I don't know their history or anything like that. So, if I say something tonight that kind of goes against the grain on something maybe that's wrong in your life, I'm not doing that, trying to be mean to you because I don't know, I don't know nothing about your history. But this is what I'm going to tell you: Sunday school teacher is not a God appointed position. It's a church appointed position. Now, what's the qualifications for a Sunday school teacher? There ain't nothing in the Bible, is there? You know why? Because Sunday school teacher ain't in the Bible. Now, let me tell you the standard that we have at the Pleasure View Baptist Church. At the Pleasure View Baptist Church, we don't allow anybody that has that is in more than one marriage to be a teacher in our Sunday school department. All right? That's the standard that we set. You understand that? That's the standard we set. That's right. We've got over 300 members. Brother John, we don't have to, we have plenty of a pool of people to pull from. But I know churches, small churches, and I, like I said, I don't know either Brother John or Brother Jason, either one, but I'm going to use one of you. We're just going to say one of you is divorced and remarried. And one of you is not. And Brother John says, Brother John Smith says, you know, church, this isn't the best thing that we could do. It's not how I would like to do it. But I don't have any choice because I don't have anybody that can teach. And I need somebody that can handle the Word of God. You know what that church can do? They can allow an individual who's been married more than one time to teach Sunday school in that church. And there ain't nothing I can say about it. Is it best? No, I don't think it's best. But there ain't nothing in the Bible says that you can't do it. And whatever this little church binds on earth is bound in heaven. God honors it. God honors the standard that we have set at the Pleasure View Baptist Church. But if your standard is different in that area, God honors that standard. Now we're not talking about sin. We're not talking about areas where God is being definite about, where God has been very defined about. We're talking about areas where there is not a, God hadn't said, all right, this is the way you got to do it. And so he said, I'm going to give you some purview in that. 
I'm going to give you some ability to be able to set standards in your church and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. This vision get real serious. Now, and I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm having, I'm trying to, I'm pulling from pages and pages and pages of notes, and so there's some things that I'm that I'm just pulling from memory. And most of this is from memory, but I, there's a lot that I'm just pulling from memory, brother Mays. But this is one of the things in that Old Testament, and I, I'm just going somewhere, so don't run off and leave me. In that Old Testament economy. The only way that you could be represented by that high priest on the great day of atonement was you had to become a Jew by religion or a proselyte Jew. You didn't have to be born into the Jewish nation, but you had to become a Jew by religion. You had to become one of them. You know how you done that? You entered into a covenant relationship with them, and because you entered into the covenant relationship you did with the Jewish people, God could then uh, represent you in the covenant he had with the Jewish people. So what you done was when you became a Jew by religion, Brother Jason, you said, all right, I'm going to be a Jew. I'm going to live like the Jews live. I'm going to keep the Sabbath. I'm not going to eat pork. I'm going to, be, I'm going to go on the great day of atonement. I'm going to offer the, whatever sacrifice is required for the sin that I've committed. I submit myself to them. I agree with them that Jehovah is God. And once you entered into that covenant, God treated you like a Jew. And if you broke that covenant, He treated you just like a Jew that had broken that covenant. But now a Gentile might do something that a Jew doesn't do that would be a serious offense against God. And a Gentile might do it and God not bother him. You know why? He's not in a covenant relationship with God or God's people. And let me say this, and I I don't see one in here, uh, but most Churches have a church covenant, and I'm sure you've got one. A lot of them have it hanging on the wall. But this is what I want to tell you. When you entered in, when you entered into membership with it, is this a church or a mission? This is a church. I thought it, I, I was thinking that was correct. But when you entered into membership, submitted yourself to membership in this church, Brother John, this is what you said when you came before this people. I am entering a covenant relationship with you and with God. I believe what you believe. I stand where you stand. I walk where you walk. I believe the Bible like you believe the Bible. I believe the standard that you've got is the standard that I ought to have. I'm going to live by that. I'm going to walk with it. I'm going to walk with you in one accord, in peace and in harmony, and we're going to exalt the name of Christ together. Amen. Now the power, the church has power. But the power that the church has in your life is a power of submission on your part. When you enter into that relationship being with this body of believers, you've entered into a covenant relationship with Him. So it's not, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about Jason. It's about Kayla. It's about their kids. You're responsible to them. It's about your mom and dad and how you're responsible to them and Miss Lucy and Brother John and Miss Christy and their whole family and every member, Brother David and Miss Rachel, if you've entered into a relationship, a covenant relationship, you are responsible to them. That's good, 
And when you come to this church, this is what you said. The way you say we ought to dress is the way I believe we ought to dress. And when you don't, you have broken that covenant that you made with this church. You have broken the covenant that you made and God is not pleased. Now there's some things that you might even think are opinions. Brother John, at the Place of View Baptist Church, if you want to sing in the choir, you've got to wear a tie. We do not allow you to go my... That's the standard that we set. We don't allow you, unless it's extenuating circumstances. You come in late from work or whatever, and ain't got, we understand that. We're not stupid about it. But if at all possible, we want you to wear a tie when you're in the choir. Is, now, you say, Brother David, I don't think that's right. Well, why ain't it? Right. What's wrong with it? Right. There ain't nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying you got to do it. I'm just saying there ain't nothing wrong with it, Brother John. And if the church agrees that that's the standard that we want to have, then that is the standard that we set. And when you enter into a covenant with us to be a member of that church, you're supposed to have read the covenant, you're supposed to know the bylaws, and you're also supposed to know the standards of the church. And when you submit yourself to membership, you're saying, I agree with you. I'm entering into a covenant relationship with you. And that gives the church power in your life. Church has power to dictate how you dress. Amen. Do you know the church, the church, listen, the church, the standard that our church you're going to be in, if you're going to have anything to do on the platform, you can't have Facebook. Now, Brother Norris is a little tighter than we are. You can't even be a member of his church if you've got Facebook. I'm praying about us being liberal. Amen. I'm afraid we're too liberal on it. But that's the standard that we say. You ain't going to be in leadership if you've got Facebook. Brother Norris says this, you can't even be a member if you've got Facebook. I, I ain't a thing in the world wrong with that. I'm not bucking him about it. Somebody got a higher standard than what I got, friend. I'm going to thank God for them. Amen. I want to do better. Amen. I want to draw up closer. But you know that standard. You enter into a relationship with this church, a covenant relationship, and then you sneak around and have it under a different name like I've seen them do at the Pleasant View Baptist Church, amen, and get caught with it, Ben. They've broken the covenant they made with our congregation, and God is not pleased. Say, I don't think the church has that kind of power, Brother David. Listen. Church has power to set standards for this congregation. But you know the church also has power over your money? That'll make you nervous. Now you're supposed to tithe. That's, you're supposed to give that to God. And tithing ain't what you do. Tithing's where you start. One fellow said, do you tithe? I said, tithe? 
Man, I quit tithing years ago. I was giving, I'm giving, I've been giving way beyond the tithe for years. Amen. I, I want to honor the Lord in tithes and offerings. Amen. 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 And God ain't never, God ain't never let me down. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God's blessed me, amen. I ain't, I don't do it to get blessed, but I'll be honest with you, God's blessed me. I ain't got a whole lot, amen, but what I got's mine, amen. God's given it to me, amen, and ain't nobody gonna come take it away from me, amen, except the government. Of course, they can take it away anytime they want to if they want it bad enough, amen, uh, but they'd have a fight on their hands, amen. I wouldn't I wouldn't cotton to that too well, uh, amen, but uh, the Lord's given it, and if the Lord wants to take it away, that's different, amen, but I don't know if the Lord would send the government to take it away. But the Bible said in Acts chapter number five, but a certain man, verse number one, named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of land? Boy, now, I mean, if we had this kind of church service, you talk about stuff picking up. I mean, honesty would be... I mean, would be a premium right now, buddy. I mean, everybody, that's like Brother Roloff was preaching under that tent and you, that big windstorm come through and they got it on cassette tape and people down there just kind of mealy-mouthing around, you know, praying around all. And then when we comes through and blows that great big old tent down, I mean, people start calling on God, buddy. I mean, oh, God, help us, amen. We need you, Lord. I mean, it went from playing around with it to really praying. And uh, so I, I think if we seen some of this, we'd probably be in, see a big uh, move of, the, of God in the church. But he said, what, now listen to what he said. We're talking about a principle that's laid down. Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? He said, while you still had it, wasn't it yours? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? He said, when you had the land, the land belonged to you. When you sold the land, the money was in your power. You didn't have to do anything with it. We didn't tell you to give it. We didn't come begging you to give you money. You said you was going to give you money. And then he said, Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came upon all them that heard these things. And the young men carried him out. Sapphira comes in, tells the same lie, dies dead as a doornail, amen, and they carry her out. Why is that? Because they kept back part of the money? No. The reason God killed them is because they said they gave it all and kept back part of the money. That's good, brother. What I'm trying to tell you, brother Ben, is this. Is that as long as, it, as, long as you got it, it's yours. Now that tenth thing's yours. That's God's. And God's going to get that. Now you'll give it willingly or unwillingly, but you're going to give it. I promise you. And when you, when you don't give it, when God gets his tenth, he's going to add interest. Amen. I mean, he's going to take out his tenth and then some. So you're better off just to give the tenth. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. So, but when, but that's that's God's. But you're supposed to give that anyway. But you got ninety percent left. You can do with that whatever you want to. God said, "You, I, I'm not requiring any more than the tenth. That's all that I require of you." Now, what you do with other ninety is up to you. If you want to give another ten on top of that, that's wonderful. I bless that. But don't tell everybody you're giving ten and give five. While it was thine own, 
And after, even after you sold it, was it not in your power? It was yours to do with what you want. But when you said you was giving it to God, it ain't yours no more. It belongs to Him and it belongs to the church. So the church has power over your money. It's yours as long as you got it. But once you give it, it ain't yours. It belongs to the church. Now the church is a collective body. They may decide to do something and vote on something and you may vote one way or vote the other. But as the church body, collectively, whatever they decide, that's what they do. And you can't gripe about it. The church, the church has power over your money. So this is what happens, and this is where we're at in the day and hour in which we live. People think that they can do anything they want to do and live any way they want to live, and the church ain't got a right to say nothing about it but not according to this scripture. Brother John, if they caught you out hobbling around, amen, over in Dayton with another woman, I mean, if your wife didn't do a good job of hiding the body, is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) But if they caught you hobbling around over in Dayton with another woman and... Uh, Brother Jason saw you or Miss Kayla saw you. You know what their responsibility would be? Go to the pastor and go to the church and confront you about it. That's right. And then you're to be confronted about it and dealt with. And if you don't repent, you're to be brought before the assembly. And then you're to be rebuked openly that others may fear. You're right. Bible. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. You have a responsibility to this body, but this body has a responsibility to you. And it gets real touchy when it's family. Because if Kenzie hears Morgan listening to country music or some kind of music she knows she's not supposed to be listening to, she has a responsibility to her as a family member because she's in her immediate family. But she's got a bigger responsibility to her, Brother David, because she's in the family of God. And she's to go to her pastor and say, this is what she's doing, this is what she's listening to, and they're to go to her and confront her together, and if she won't repent, they're to bring her before the opening assembly. Amen. That's right. right. Now that's real easy when it's somebody we don't know. (laughs) But when it's Ethan or Mitchell, or Ben, and them brothers have got to take a stand against a brother, it gets a little bit touchy. But it ain't about family blood kin. It's about the family of God yes, sir. and the power that the church has in your life. Boy, that's good. The power it has over your standards, the power it has do you know that it has power over your companions? Has power over your companions. The Apostle Paul told the Corinthian believers, he said, you're not, to, you're not to have fellowship with those that are brother, that are fornicators. You're not to even eat with them. And he does make the qualification there that it's a brother. 
I've known people that had lost family members and they wouldn't eat with them and they said, well, I ain't eating with them because the Bible says not to company with fornicators. But you need to finish the rest of that verse. I'm not saying go spend all your time with them. But I've, I've seen people make a big deal at family reunions over people that are lost as a ball in high weeds and God never said that. He said right the opposite, Brother Mays. He said, not altogether with the fornicators of this world. He said, because else you would have to go out of the world. People say, well, I'm eating with a fornicator and you'll go to Burger King and eat, amen. And ain't no telling how many's in there. Amen. You see, that's, that's balance, ain't it? That's right. That's the reason some people say, these people say, well, you know, their child maybe gets out of sorts and is maybe a, a living in fornication. I, and I, if they don't want to eat with them, that's fine. I'm not going to say anything. But if that person says, I'm not saved, I'm not, I don't know God, I don't claim to be a Christian or anything else, you can't hold them to the standard that they can't eat with them. Because they're not a brother. Same thing's true if they are a brother. If and it's what they claim, Brother John. So I'm gonna use I'm gonna use Ben and Mitchell. That's right, ain't I'm getting that right, ain't Ben and Mitchell as an example. And so they both claim to be saved by the grace of God. Is that true? They both claim to be saved. Okay. All right, so they both claim to be saved by the grace of God. And Mitchell finds out that Ben's been living in fornication. He's to confront him. He's to go to his pastor. He's to confront him. Confronted in the family setting. And then he's to deal with it. And if he won't repent, they're to treat him as a, as a publican and as a sinner, as a heathen. And this one from the rose of the church. And being keep saying, well, I know that, but I'm still saved. I, I'm saved. By, I know I'm saved. And if you're ever saved, you are saved. No matter what you do, you're saved. I understand that. And so what Mitchell has to say, well, Ben, you keep living like that. I can't, I can't eat with you. That's right. But if Ben had never been saved, it would be a totally different situation. Wouldn't it? It'd be different for y'all. And you might have two boys, one never been saved, one has been saved, be in the same situation, and you might treat the situation totally different because of where they're at in Christ or not in Christ. And you know what people, you know what people say? They say, well, I don't want to be unfair. We're not talking about fair. We're talking about David being biblical. Right. Amen. We want to hold everybody to the right standard, but we don't want to put a yoke on them that they cannot bear. Right. Right. That's good, brother. So it has power over your companions. I'm going to use a personal illustration tonight. Amen, Miss Morgan, and you're it. <laughs> I'm sorry, but here we are. Amen. <laughs> I'm not being mean, and she knows that. Okay? But we were talking about a, a certain young man the other night. And, you know, we were, they're just friends, and all, you know, all that kind of stuff. But this is what I'm trying to tell you. Brother John Nisley has a right if you enter into a relationship with a young man to question that relationship, if he sees something that's inappropriate. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Ain't that right, Wheatley? And Wheatley's got a right to question it too, don't you, Wheatley? <laughs> Wheatley's back there. Yeah, that's right. I've got a right to question stuff too, she said. <laughs> Why is that? 
Because the church has power over your companions. Yes. That's Amen. good, brother. If I was interested in if I was a young man or a young lady and I was interested, and I used Morgan because she's my friend, she ain't gonna get mad at me. Amen. And I could use her as a personal illustration. Amen. Autumn, Autumn said, Thank God. <laughs> I am so glad he ain't using me tonight. Amen. Thank God for Morgan. Amen. <laughs> but if I was entering into a relationship with a young lady and my church body or my pastor had questions about that, I'd back up. God's given them discernment in your life. And you better take care to pay attention to it. Amen. If I was interested in a young man and my pastor had questions about that, I'd back up. If, my, if, if there was another man in the church came to me, Brother John, that I knew walked with God, loved God, and wanted the best for my daughter and wanted God's will for my daughter and prayed for my family and wasn't in rebellion, and he came to me and said, Brother John... Listen, I got a problem right here with this. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that she shouldn't, but I'm just saying right here, I need, we need some clarification here. That's good. Well, mom and dad shouldn't get mad about that. They ought to say, thank God somebody's praying. Yes. Thank God somebody's concerned. And I understand that can get out of hand. You got to be careful. I understand it can get out of hand. Hey, but listen to me. The church has power. Yes. In our life. It's a God-given power. And God said, I've placed it in your hands and you're responsible. You ain't going to get to heaven, friend, and get to the judgment seat of Christ and God sweep it all under the rug. If you as a body, let me say this, Brother John, I'll say this to you as a pastor and say to this to you as a body. What you don't deal with as a pastor will deal with you. And what you don't deal with as a body will deal with you as a body. It eat the heart and soul out of you. I've seen men who would not deal with adultery and adultery ended up killing their church. I've seen men who would not deal with lasciviousness and the way people dress and that's what killed the church I've seen men not deal with this modern kind of singing and you know what I've seen it do kill the church one of the greatest churches I've ever known in America decided they were going to go the Bob Jones route with their music and everything else and killed it, had one of the greatest choirs you've ever heard in your life. Power of God on it and decided they was going to go that Bob Jones route and Brother Ben, it killed it dead on a hammer. Now you ain't got to, I don't want you to sound like Conway Tweedy when you're singing Amen either. Or Elvis Presley. Amen. That's right. But you, can I tell you something? There are folk that live in high fluting areas that have a different way of singing. God don't expect them to sing like I sing. But you know what, Brother Mays? God don't expect me to sing like them either. And if I do, if I try to sing and sound like them, I'm being dishonest about who I am. And God can't use me. So the church has power over your companions, has power over the uh, music and things that you listen to, think the way that the church service goes, it has power to direct you. If my and I don't know what y'all listen to. Some people listen to it, some people don't. But we don't listen to Christian contemporary music. Right. 
We don't listen to praise and worship teams. Right. Somebody said, y'all got a praise and worship team? I said, yeah, it's about 120 people. <laughs> Every Sunday morning and Sunday night, amen, we're up there praising and worshiping God. Amen. Amen. One of the, I, I'm done. I, I'll tell you, I'll end with this illustration. One of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my life. I was preaching a little old church over Eastern Kentucky, a little old bitty church. And uh, it was a double wide trailer at one time across the back side and uh, they had built a new auditorium on the front at some point in life. The outside looked like a dump. I mean, it just, the paint was peeling, the vinyl siding was cracked, the double wide trailer wasn't sitting real level, amen, on that was their Sunday school department. But man, you went in that auditorium and it was beautiful. It was tongue and groove from floor to ceiling and all the way across the ceiling, the tongue and groove on the wall. Brother John was at 45. That's work, buddy. And I mean, it was beautiful. Beautiful pews. Beautiful. Beautiful piano. Beautiful carpet. Beautiful. I mean, just beautiful. You'd, you went out and looked at the outside and looked on the inside make sure it's the same building. I mean, it's like Twilight Zone. It's like it went from one, in, one dimension to another. But Brother Mays, we got in there and they, I mean, it didn't have but a handful of people and most of them wasn't qualified to do nothing. And they had a praise team. Everybody, everybody, they had like four, five, six microphones set up on the platform, you know, at different intervals, back and forth, you know, that's how they do that. So everybody's got their own microphone. So everybody be their own star. That's, that's dumb. Amen. I almost said stupid, but I'm trying to quit using that word so much, but it was stupid. Amen. It was just, that's what it was. But the church has power over your companions. It has power over your money. It has power over your standards. And I'm going to tell you something, and please don't, don't get mad at me when I say this. If you ain't going to submit, you'd be better off come the day of the judgment seat to go find you another place. I'm talking about members now. Membership. You, you've entered into a covenant relationship with this people. You'd be better off to go somewhere else for your sake. Amen. We'll finish up tomorrow night, Lord willing. We'll pray. And you may, you, may, you may have a need to pray. I don't know. If you do, Brother Ben, if you would come play a verse, maybe of invitation. Say, okay, Brother John. And uh, you may be here tonight and you say, Brother David, I'm not in a covenant relationship with the church because I'm not in a covenant relationship with God. I've never been saved. And I don't understand everything you're talking about tonight, but I know that if I died right now, I'd die and go to hell. And I want to be saved. Once you get that lined out and straightened out, God baptizes you into the body of Christ through the Spirit of God. Then you take membership in a local church a local Baptist church and you enter into a covenant relationship with them as well and you have someone to help watch over you through life I'll tell you something Brother Mays I've been a member where I'm at for 22 years I think a little over 22 years well the end of this month will be 22 years and uh I don't know why all the reasons God moved me to Kentucky. I don't have any family in Kentucky. I didn't know anybody in Kentucky. I knew my, I knew my pastor barely. 
I didn't know any friends. I didn't have any, I didn't have a job. I had to had none of that when I moved to Kentucky. And Brother John, I don't know exactly why every reason that God moved me to Kentucky. But I remember here a number of years ago, I went through the darkest valley of my life. And Brother Mays, it was the church that God used to see me through. They helped me get through it. They carried me through. When I couldn't walk, they carried me. When I couldn't run, they carried me. When I was weak, they were strong. And we made her through, buddy. We come out on the other side shouting the victory because God put us in a church. Why are you here? Why are you here? Did God put you here? Or you just didn't have nothing better else, nothing else better to do? David, you need to find out why you're here, son. You and Miss Rachel need to find out why you're here. And if it's because God put you here, you need to, and I'm not saying you're not, but if you're not, you need to, you need to start living like God put you here. Start walking in unison. Do you know that when they hear Brother Ben, when they hear your man of God preach and he preaches a certain standard and this is the way the church is going and they see you out and you're living a different standard, they don't think much of your ministry. You understand that. You say, well, Brother David, what do I need to do? Tighten up. If he's preaching, if he's preaching higher than you're living, strive to get where he's at. Try to strive to get to where he's preaching. It won't hurt you. It won't hurt you. I saw one of my one fellow I knew. I'd known him for a long time. Was uh, down in Georgia here a while back. We're same age. Graduated the same year in high school. And brother Ben. He was, I mean, he looked rough. Looked rough. And I, and I, ain't, I ain't pretty by no stretch of the imagination. I ain't, ain't what I'm saying. But at least what he said, he looked at me. He said, how come, he said, I don't understand. He said, how come you look so good and I look so bad? You know what I told him, Brother Mays? Clean living. Clean living don't hurt you. All clean living will do for you is help you. Amen. Do you know, preacher preaches against you going to them tanning beds and laying out in the sun and baking yourself, you know, look like you've been roasted. You say, well, I want to look good. I want to look good. I want to look good. Well, go see them women when they're about 55. They look like a raisin, amen. They're so wrinkled up. And, and here sits my beautiful wife, and I think she's beautiful, amen. I've been married for years and years and years. And, uh, and I won't tell you how old she is, amen, but she's beyond 40. And I see, people see our wedding pictures and then see her now, and they say, wow, she don't look much different. They don't say it about me, amen. <laughs> I must be easy to live with. <laughs> I am now, amen. And all that is, you know what that is? Clean living. Just clean. It's, it, if you wasn't a Christian, 
if you could live as clean as a Christian lives, it'd still be the best life. I mean, no alcohol, no smoking, no dope, none of that stuff. That's a good life. Now, you're going to die and go to hell. You can die and go to hell clean as your hands do. But it'd still be a better life than being a drunk and a dopehead. Clean living won't hurt you, Morgan. You'll never be sorry that you kept yourself clean. And when you get down to the end of life's way, Miss Kayla, you'll wish you were cleaner. When you get before God, you'll say, I, you know, that little thing right here, I wish I'd just laid that aside. This wasn't important. I thought it was, but it wasn't that big a deal. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Father, as we come for your throne tonight, we're so thankful for the service you've given us tonight. And Lord, I know it's just teaching, but it's good, sound Bible teaching. And I feel like, Lord, that it's been a help to the people. I pray that it, as they take it in and absorb it, that, Father, try to understand it and walk by it. Father, help us to walk with you and serve you together in love. And, Father, we thank you and praise you for all you do. In Jesus' name, we humbly ask it all. Amen. Brother Smith, you come. Praise the Lord.